This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks for tuning into the show because I've got a killer conversation coming up with a bloke you've likely not heard from in many years if you're a rock if you're a rock and grunge fan, I suppose is the way to describe it, because Dave Coots was a member of Talk Show alongside of the musicians that are in Stone Temple Pilots, so the Leo Brothers and also Eric Kretz. Talk Show had an album released in 2000, no it wasn't, it was 1997. Great album. As a matter of fact, you can listen to it on Spotify, but that's not actually the catalyst for my chat with Dave. The catalyst is because he's back. He's got a new single out, it's called Tear Gas in August, and it's great to hear he's got some new material in the vault, ready to be released in the near future. So we talk about the new release, and of course we dive into subjects surrounding talk show. So here he is, Dave Coots. You're in California, are you? I am. Yeah, I've been there before. I've been there a couple of times, actually. Um, nice. I think. The last time was 2012 or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. Parts of it are very similar to here. Other parts are very different to here. Are you talking about a phone call right now, or? No, I'm talking about the um, the California California as a state. Parts of it remind me of Australia, and parts of it are very different. Oh, I got you. Um, I thought you said parts are very hard to hear. Um, I've never been to Australia. But uh, I would love to go. Just I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Yeah, yeah, not with our bloody Gestapo regimes that are locking down all of our individual states. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I think California is just as draconian as what I've seen. Um, so we're in a fairly similar uh, situation where we've got these lockout, lockdown mandates. And, um, yeah, it's a very unusual time to be alive at the moment, to say the least. It's freaking scary, isn't it? Great. Mm, yeah, I'm. I'm. First time in my life, I've probably got some existential dread. I must say, um, I've always had a lot of faith in uh, God, whoever he or she might be, the God force that holds everything together. That uh, things will turn out all right in the end. But at the moment, I just feel like the psychopaths are winning, and I can't say it any other way. Yeah, you know, this is pretty much what that song "Tear Gas in August" is is about. It's about all this bullshit that's going on right now, including global warming. Mm. It's all a bunch of crap, I believe. Global oh, climate you. change or whatever they're calling it today. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just to be clear, your cars are falling everywhere. You know, it's raining freaking freaking men, but actually pretty guitars. <laughs> that's kind of what it's about. Uh, we're so it's talking about, about the tune. So you say, just to, so as I'm clear on it, you're saying are you what someone would broadly describe as a climate change sceptic, or are you saying that climate change is definitely happening and we need to do something about it? No, I don't agree with that. I I'm don't with you. agree with that. No, I'm, I'm just, it's, I'm so glad I, to hear that I, you've got I, an opinion. I'm making fun of it all. I'm, yeah, I'm basically making fun of it all. Good on you, Dave, because but, uh, you're few and far it's, between. It's hard, yeah. it's, hard to, it's hard to get real blunt in a song these days because so many people will turn you off if they hear a certain opinion. So I kind of keep it a little bit veiled, my actual opinions, you know? Well, you know what I mean I when really I say... I really don't care at this point. 
Well, do you, do you know what I mean when mm. I say woke people? Do you know what that, you know, you've heard that term before, woke? Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. sorry, I just have to check. But, I mean, they, these are the people that are out there uh, trying to cancel anybody's speech as wrong, wrong think and wrong, wrong, wrong think leading to wrong speech. And uh, because they've solved all yeah. of the world's problems and it's all this hard left Marxist doctrine that, that it seeks to concentrate power in the hands of, of you, very few. Yeah. Have you been yeah. vaccinated? No. no. I'm not going to if I can, if I can bloody help it. Good for you. Yeah. I haven't either. My whole family. No, hell no. And I'm starting to hear a lot more people speak up against it. Get, you know, it's like, thank God. I think it's turning around. Which, by the way, is the title of my next song. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. It's called Turn Around. Yeah, it's all about driving through zombie land and freaking all the signs up saying get vaccinated and bullshit. And it's crazy. Yeah, man, it's good to talk to somebody on the same level. And I'm very, very hopeful that you guys turn around over there in Australia. I don't think we will, mate. Unfortunately, we're, it's it's we're too far down the line. The the state of Victoria closely resembles California with regards to its politics. All these hard leftist fuckwits um, that are in power at the moment, and people in the community that are, are bullying other members of the community, be it in person or on social media. Um, I just think, as a population, mate, we've had it too good for too long. I'm sorry to say that, and it's what my grandfather fought in World War Two for against tyranny. You know, I mean, we had the Brisbane exactly. line here in Australia, but but I mean, it's it's ridiculous that we've got to this bloody point, mate, where all of these soft men and these feminazi women uh, are, are. I mean, the amount of attacks that I see, individual attacks that I see online for people for having opinions like what you and I have, um, and right. like the deeply personal comments that I see online, mate, people are cowed into silence. I mean, it's, it's lovely to meet something, lovely to chat to you and see that you, you're not afraid to stand in your own two feet with these issues. Oh, no, no. I'm, you know, people at work are getting vaxxed and I'm just not telling God bless you, man. My son's yeah. in the Coast Guard and they're forcing him to get vaccinated. He's going to quit. He just joined. He loves it. He wants to do it so bad that he's not going to take that death jab. Yeah, well, that's sad, mate. He's I mean, quit. We're going to move. We're going to probably move out of California. We're going to get the fuck out of here. You and need go to, to Florida, where they got to... Yeah. yeah, I think we yeah. do, because Gavin Newsom just won again, or stole it again. He stole it again. I mean, bloody stole He's, a, he's an absolute yeah. crim. He's a, he's a psychotic crim, Newsom. Yep. He's an evil... You know he's actually an evil he's, man. Uh, I mean, he is. He's, uh, he's Nancy Pelosi's nephew, so he has to be evil. Hmm. Um, the... Uh, owner of Golden Robot Records, the company that is distributing my song, yep. he's all pro-vaccine. It's kind of scary. It's kind of sad. Mark, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he did a rock the vax yeah, thing. I, yeah. yeah, and he used my song in it. Fuck, dude. He didn't, he didn't tell me. He didn't ask me to use my song to promote vaccines. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. He did it. How, how did you hook up with Mark? Um... I actually did it through a guy in Illinois, you know, where Illinois is. It's in the middle of our country. Yeah, Chicago. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've heard about it. Yeah, for sure. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, I was doing a podcast with him, and I told him, he was asking about, you know, hey, when are you going to do another song? I said, I don't know. I'm paying for all this myself. And when I can afford it, I, I'm doing one more. I told him, and I said, that's probably going to be my last one for a while. 
And he goes, well, maybe I can hook you up with somebody that can help you. And he gave me the email of Kate in the Los Angeles Golden Robot Records office. And Kate forwarded my email to Mark. And Mark liked the music. We had a Zoom meeting. Um, and it uh, all went from there. Hmm. But what it did, so just to be clear, too, the inspiration behind coming back with music is this current situation that we're all dealing with, these uh, lockdowns and let's just call it the political climate at the moment. Is that the catalyst for you wanting to come back and release music? No, no, but it, sure, it certainly has helped write lyrics. Um, mm. The catalyst came from uh, a couple different things. Um, basically... I had a buddy that was in my uh, one of my bands back 20 years ago called Ten Inch Men. He passed away from lung cancer. Um, went to his funeral and and I saw some friends there that asked me if I was still playing music and I told them no and they said, well, why not? And I couldn't give them a good answer. Anyway, I went to a club and saw this guy's, uh, one of the guys that I met there, his name's Kevin. I saw his band play and while I was watching him, couple other old friends walked up and we started talking. We started a band uh, just with the people that came in, a cover band. And then um, I, I've, I've been wanting to record again. So I found this guy, Marty Beal, and he has been the perfect guy to record with. And that's who I'm recording all my new songs with. I've got five done. I've got another six uh, ready to go, number six. And then... Um, Wanted to tell you that Dan Chapa is the guy who's playing all the drums on my songs, and he was a guy who started a Dave Coots fan club uh, Facebook page. Nice. And I had no, I had no idea who this guy was. And someone told me, "Hey, you got a fan club on Facebook?" And I said, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, and I got a hold of the guy. I said, "Hey, my name's Dave. Thanks for the fan club." I didn't really know what to say to him. And he goes, yeah, right. And he, and he, he didn't believe me. And I said, no, it, it really is me. And then we started talking and found out he was a drummer and he sent some drum tracks to me via, you know, MP3 email. And they were good. We used them. And then he's been playing drums on every other song I've been recording the same way. We just, I email the song to him and he plays in his studio and he's in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then he sends it back to me and we mix it all up. And it's been, I haven't even met him in person. It's been fun. Yeah, it's a lot like that these days, though, isn't it? You don't need, you can have people that yeah. are thousands of kilometers away, more, far more, tens of thousands of kilometers away, and you can collaborate without even meeting. And even I've spoken to a musician before where they've never even spoken to each other. These two collaborators, mm-hmm. lockdown in the lockdown, huh? Totally, yeah. The great yeah. album that they released. So, so have you got a bunch of songs in that could become part of an album ready? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the intention. And now, to bring not all of them would be new. I'd like. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're right. So you go. You go. You're answering a question anyway. So go for it. I was going to say that a couple of the songs that I'm going to record are going to be redos. I might even do a cover of that Paul McCartney and Wings. I don't know how old you are. Forty three. But one of my favorite. Forty three. Then you might remember Wings. Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. His yeah, of course, yeah. Band after Beatles. Okay, they did a song called Jet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, we, we, our cover band does that, and I want to record that. I'd love to put that out. Jet also lends itself to an Australian band of that name. Remember Jet with um, yes. Are You Going to Be My Girl? Yeah. Exactly. I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. Guys got and, a killer voice. 
Yeah, he's, he's sort of, I don't know where they are these days. I think the music industry, as you, as you probably well know, burns some people out and it might have happened there. Um, but uh, Jed haven't been cited for a number of years. I could be mistaken, certainly not in the mainstream sense because they haven't come across my desk yet. But um, so, so with the album, would you say that the rest of the tunes have the same spirit and the same songwriting narrative that you've threaded throughout Tear Gas in August? Uh, no, I would not. They're all different. They all, um, I mean, of course they all have the same formula, the way I write, um, and they're going to have my dastardly voice on them all, but, um, (laughs) they're all a little bit different. Mm. Well, I tell you, in preparation for our chat, and I certainly heard of 10 Inch Men, but I had a good listen to Pretty Vultures on YouTube because there's some Pretty Nights on there. And, uh... And I think for people listening who don't understand your history, I'm going to dive into a bit of it here, if that's okay, because uh, after I listened to Pretty Vultures, I can absolutely understand why the DeLeo brothers and management recruited you. Now, when I say DeLeo brothers, I'm talking about the uh, guitarist and bassist in Stone Temple Pilots. Um, of course. So i got to say, I loved that 1997 self-titled album from Talk Show. Um, oh, I truly, thank you. Yeah, I truly did, mate. It's not just one of those things where you're talking to somebody who um, it had an impact on me back then. Um, I didn't get around to buying it for some reason because I was probably I was only a kid back then and I had bugger all money. I mean, we can stream it now, so it's it's available now. So um, I remember the the right, uh, now it's free. Well, I remember the the video um, to hello hello, and. Mm-hmm. Of course, seeing that we had the equivalent to MTV down here, it wasn't called that. It was called something else. I can't remember now. But uh, that was the closest that I thought that the DeLeo brothers with your voice had come to having a Stone Temple Pilots Led Zeppelin moment. And the whole now that oh, I've wow. had, a, and now that I've had a chance to listen to the album a few times, um, I think that's true for the rest of the album as well. Because I think Scott's more direct, whereas you're more. You, you, you leave a lot more open spaces, if that makes sense, with the way that you approach your lyrics and the like. Um, and also Scott... Uh, I do, and I got slammed for a lot of them too. But, Why is that? You know, Scott, I, I don't just... People thought they sucked. And, I mean, you know, they're not the most detailed and poetic, but I think they leave a little room for you to think about what the hell is this guy talking about, you know? Well, I think the you know, problem with Scott was that he was singing about being on heroin half the time. Well, because he was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he, he had great visions and he could write those visions down. And I've never taken heroin, probably because I don't like needles. And, and another reason is I probably would like it too much. Um, so I mm. survived. I'm still alive, right? But yeah, I think he had a little bit of help with the heroin, but not to put Scott down. I think he had an amazing voice and you know, he was a great presence. But yeah, drugs got the best of him and they they made him kind of who he was on stage a little bit too, I think. I think he I knew him before he was famous. Oh, really? Tell me about it. Yeah, him. he was very very quiet, shy kind of guy. Not didn't talk real too much. Um I met him only a couple of times, but their band opened up for my band back in, uh, I want to say, 90, maybe 1991. Yeah, I read that. They weren't even yeah. called SDP. They were called Swing, yeah. And um, that's when Robert got to hear me sing for the first time because they were sitting there. Anyway, 
that's how we got to know those guys, just being in the in the uh, scene together. Well, with was, was there ever? I mean, because Scott had had an addiction. Oh God, I think most of his certainly in the public eye. It was. I remember being at school, so I left school in nineteen ninety five. But I remember hearing about his issues back then. Um, so we're not exactly saying talking about a recent development, meaning just before he died or what have you. But with Scott facing addiction throughout his career. And, and I do remember reading this, and you can't, you can never find it now, but I do remember reading an interview, and I'm sure it was in Guitar World or one of those guitar magazines, because I'm a guitarist and bassist, and pre-internet, that's what I used to buy religiously. But the, the brothers were talking about their considerable disappointment that they couldn't tour, and they were very frustrated with Scott, to say the least. Um, yeah, a lot of starts and stops. Yeah, and, and which is the key reason that talk show came about. So here's a question for you. Was that 1997 self-titled album, was that meant to be a once-off or was the man, band meant to actually replace what was happening? Not replace, but be the legacy project of what was going on with Stone Temple Pilots. I think it all depended on the almighty dollar and how far the record company was going to promote it because they didn't really promote it very much. So you did so, the tour with Foo Fighters and that was it, wasn't it? We did tour with Foo Fighters and then we toured with Aerosmith. Four months total touring. We traveled all across, Europe, um, not Europe, Canada in a bus. Hmm. And then we did uh, the United States with Aerosmith. We did Canada with the Foo Fighters. Hmm. But yeah, the record company, they wanted Scott back. Why is and that? they didn't even put out. I, why is that? I think they they saw bigger dollar signs. You know, I don't know. They didn't have faith in promoting talk show. Um, maybe Dean didn't like the way I didn't dance on stage. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not uh, on stage. I'm not that. I don't have the same personality as Scott. It's completely different. I'm kind of happy on stage, and he was always like seemed like he was mad. I'm not mm. mad when I'm playing and singing. I love to do it. And I don't promote, I mean, I don't, uh, what is my word? I don't project anger when I'm up there. You know, it's mm. excitement. It's fun. So, yeah. yeah. But our, oh, yeah, you know, so- Hello, Hello went to number eight on the Billboard charts. It went to number eight. Mm. The video uh, won MTV Rock Best Video of the Year. I mean, how could that be a bad thing? So, Yeah, I was disappointed that, I mean, it sort of just seemed like a, a flash of lightning, the band, back then. Uh, I was looking forward to a follow-up yeah. and actually seeing what singles you guys came up with, but then nothing happened, as you know, as you clearly know. And um, to yeah. hear it was just down to whether or not the – with those awards that you're winning and with fans clearly responding in a way, and, and this is this is a key point here. I want to talk about this. Remember, you remember the Rolling Stone and all those bloody awful magazines were talking about the death of rock and roll in 1997 and 1998? Remember that when so-called oh, yeah. electronica Push, was the replacement? Rap. Yeah. Well, they, they yeah, were talking about rap. heavy metal was at its lower, lowest ebb ever. I um, mean, you, couldn't, you mm-hmm. couldn't be in it. You know, Iron Maiden were playing, you know, 300, 400 capacity clubs, Iron Maiden, who now pack out stadiums worldwide and did in the 80s. Um, and you guys came out and sort of went against that grain in that you did get a song like Hello, Hello on radio. 
So it's it's there's people that make decisions in record companies. They're not music people. They don't have a goddamn clue. Uh, one of the ugliest guys, not ugly in in appearance, but he, a little bit that too. But his personality was ugly. He was one of the guys that was probably in charge of, you know, kicking talk show to the side or promoting the shit out of it. And uh, he came in to see it, to listen to our record. This is in that interview you probably read. Hmm. And he did not even hear one note of the record and walked right up to Dean with me sitting right there and said, when you get back with Scott. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy's a nice fella, isn't he? What an asshole. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, can you name that person? Is he a, is he a, is he a well-known person? I don't, I don't even remember his name. He had horrible teeth. He had bad breath. I, his last name was Klein or something like that, but he was just an ugly person. Yeah. Thinking this guy has got this much freaking clout? Wow. Well, he's probably like a Harvey Weinstein character. In that he's he's probably oh, yeah, should have been out sure. years ago. One of those guys who walks in the room is talking about himself and everything he's doing and where he's going. It's like, okay, good for you, bro. How did you write with those guys? Oh God, how did I write with them? Hmm. Um, surprisingly, a lot of the musical uh, songs on that record are mine. Not a lot, but. Morning Girl, I wrote the music too. I wrote the music and taught Dean how to play per note. Um, that song, oh God, what is it? Um, it's a slow song. Um, I can't even remember the name of the song now. I'll check it out though. Yeah, is it middle of the album? Da, 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 no, that's not it. Um, I can't even remember the name of the song. Anyway, I wrote um, half of the music on Into the World. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys wrote most of the music but Eric wrote some lyrics Dean wrote lyrics on one of the songs and I wrote the rest of the lyrics we would um, listen to tapes we would sit and play music live you know sitting at Robert's house uh, we did it all different ways when we wrote but some of the stuff I brought to them that I had already written um, and then Into the World I wrote and played it to Robert over the phone one time and uh, he wrote the chorus, I wrote the lyrics, and, and the verses musically. Hmm. But it was kind of a mishmash, you know? Everybody contributed. Eric is a good drummer. He's a great drummer. Yeah, he's good. He's got a good groove going on, for sure. Yeah, he suits, he suits um, Dean's guitar playing. Yeah, he plays real open and uh, lets Dean get in there and just tear everything apart you know I reckon I reckon Robert's one of the best rock bass players around uh, he's he's grooving yeah, his he's, lines he's incredible he's he's so good and he's a great guitar player too he's just a mastermind they they both are they're both really really good best guys I've ever well I can't I, I, probably some of the best I've ever played with yeah I mean I've played with some pretty good guys but those, those guys are probably the tops yeah, they were. I'm not saying that they were out of place for the era, but they could have pretty much slot into any era 
and been a success. I think those two, given the songwriting narrative, it was to me it seemed very much based on like a seventies pop sensibility, but just had that had the right amount of crunch and distortion to make it relevant for the era. Well, that would have been Robert's favorite era. He liked the sixties too, but yeah, he's he's um, he relayed to me in secret that his favorite kind of music was like sixties seventies pop music, mm, and he loved Motown. And Eric, yeah, Eric's a very Motown drummer. So yeah, they just went together and fit perfectly together, those guys. I listened to another interview you did, but it's, I mean, you, you've had the opportunity to, as we discussed up top, to have a family and lead a very normal life in between. And, mate, to be honest with you, I think, assuming you're, you're sort of in your late 40s, early 50s, a lot of people who spend their life yeah, in the music industry don't survive. Mm-hmm. You know, they, and when I say don't survive, I know, I know. Yeah, I'm not just talking about death, I'm talking about they die a spiritual death too. Exactly. You know, you all of a sudden you get addicted to the, the applause and the fans and whatever else comes along with that. Um, I don't want to go into that because I know some of, uh, about some of it. Um, but you get addicted to that lifestyle, and, and when it goes away for a little while, you turn into kind of a monster, I think. I'm glad I never had that, and I'm glad to to be able to still be with the wife that I married before the talk show album came out. Hmm. I have three kids and everybody's doing fine. We have a great little house and we're good. I'm glad I'm playing music again though. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell I'm glad I'm you're so back. I'm so excited to come home and play my guitar. You know, I never touched my guitar for 15 years. And now I have guitars. I have five guitars. I only had one. And I just started buying them. And my, one of my great buddies, Paul Ackling, he's a famous roadie, road manager, stage manager. He just mailed me a guitar one day. Here, hmm. take it. And it was like, that's another reason for pretty guitars are falling everywhere in that, the lyric in that song, uh, Tear Gas. It's because I bought an amp in August. And... I sent the picture of the amp to my friend Paul and he sent me a guitar. Here, play this with that amp. So like things were falling out of the sky for me in August and it was gonna be originally called, originally called Christmas in August. Mm-hmm. But there was so much other crap going on that I decided to call it tear gas in August. That makes sense. Yeah, I wanted to kind of make, Christmas in August sounds a little too happy for the, the tone of the world right now. Hmm. It does indeed, but it's it sounds like as though the the God force that holds everything together intended for you to come back with music at this time too, and be part of if there is a renaissance, a part of a renaissance that helps people get through these uh, these lockdowns and all of these COVID you know related. What? Yeah, it's so funny that you said that because I wondered why I started getting all these ideas again because music was dead in my head for a long time, dead. And now uh, it's, I'm getting all this stuff, and I'm wondering why. And uh, maybe our brother Jesus, is uh, this is his way today to start talking. Maybe. Mm. Okay, yeah, I'll that. talk. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And because and you're enjoying it so much, and you, it sounds like you're at a time in your life, too, where you can actually do this from the perspective that, of course, there's no touring or what have you, but you've got all of this life experience as well. And you can imbue that. And my kids the are not babies anymore. You know, they're not babies anymore. So they can do 
I had two girls, one with spina bifida and the other one with uh, diagnosed with autism, and my boy was normal. So mm. we had a lot of shit going on when they were younger, you know? Oh, wow. I, don't even, yeah. I didn't even know what spina bifida was. And they said, well, it's a, it's a, it's a hole in the spine. So the day she was born, I had to get in an ambulance with her and drive to Children's Hospital and get her little back sewn up, you know? And then we had to put a shunt in her brain to keep the, the uh, spinal fluid flowing out of her instead of sticking into her head, which would have given her uh, water on the brain. Hmm. So, and then we had to deal with our autistic daughter and teach her a lot of things. And we were very, very busy. And Tracy, I owe a lot of... Uh, I owe a lot to her because she took care of a lot of that stuff while I had to go to work, you know. Hmm. But that's all calmed down quite a bit. You know, they still have their issues, but they're they're strong young girls and they're awesome and they're doing real good now. So that time is freed up for me there, too. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. As a family, you're obviously a very strong family unit. And very close. We have our moments. We have our weak moments and our arguments. But yeah, there's a lot of love in that house. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, to to deal with the things you just described. Um, you you, had, you uh, love is the first thing that comes to mind, actually. Uh, I've got children myself, two daughters, and um, yeah, <laughs> we have our moments. Believe me, but. Uh, yeah you, yeah, you die for them in a heartbeat. It's as simple as that. Oh, shit, yeah. It's exactly where I read the newspapers because I want to know what's going on. I, I want them protected. Yeah, I'm going to feel the same. I, I was going to ask you a question. Sure. How did you hear tear gas? I, I know Mark and um, John, who um, does a lot of his PR. Send it oh, through. gotcha. You guys are friends? Yeah, John. Well, I yeah, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I don't know Mark well enough to call him a friend, but I think we would be if we got to know each other. I yeah, I don't agree yeah, with him on the fact like side of guy. things. But but oh, right, he's a, me, he, me neither. Yeah, he's a good bloke. He he's quite a character over here. And so far as if you're into hard rock and heavy metal, you you know who he is because he used to run a pub, like a like yes, a club. I heard all about that. Yeah, I yeah. The him IMG, up before yeah. I, yeah, yeah. He's got and, some a little bit of past going on. Yeah, he's he's a rock and metal guy. Um, there's no doubt about that, and I think that's why he's doing this. Of course, I mean, why? I mean, why else would you do it unless you weren't? You know, rock and metal is not exactly yeah, the most commercially favorable. He, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I was so surprised that he wanted to take me on. I go, really? You do? You like this stuff? Okay, let's run. Let's run with it. He's picking up a lot of people that have been around for a while. Like I had a chat to come on a piece the other night. So there's a lot of, you know, people who've been around in the uh, 70s, 80s and 90s that he's bringing back out again. I think he had some of Johnny Thunder's stuff, God rest his soul. Uh, he definitely had some of Johnny yes, Thunder's yes. stuff, you know, so. And he's, he's got Filter, he's got uh, Gilby Clark. Um, yep. He's picking up a lot of stragglers like me. Yeah, I had a chat to Gilby. I had a chat to Richard Patrick years ago. Uh, Gilby's fantastic, actually. Gilby's just one of those guys who's humble and sees his role for what it is. Just a great guitarist. Yeah, I like, I like, I like him. I haven't met him, but I like. I've seen some interviews, and I think he's a cool chap. I think he's a cool, cool guy, for sure. I, I would a, play with him. Yeah, you'd go well with him. I was going to say that, and 
you um he's just one of those guys who plays guitar first and foremost and you get the you, he mm-hmm. i don't know him well enough to say this but i'd simply my impression is that he'd be playing guitar if nobody was bloody listening to him yet alone that there's tens of thousands if not millions of people listening to him yeah well so would i mm, i do it well, all the time yeah hey yeah. you played with um you played with fishbone and living color back in the day with 10 inch men didn't you yeah we did Fishbone are a classic band, one of my faves. Those guys are freaking talented. I remember when uh, we got this gig, we played at a college somewhere, in a multi-purpose room in some college. This was back when we were like 21 years old or maybe maybe, maybe 22. Hmm. And we loaded in our equipment and we saw all these other kids coming in with their shit. Like we were kind of making fun of their equipment because it was just looked ratty, you know? Hmm. And they came in and they just blew us out of the water. I was like, oh shit, these guys are rocking. They're good. Yeah. Fishbone. Yeah, and Living Color too. I've spoken to all of the guys except for Corey in that band. Yeah. Killer they, I didn't get to meet them, but uh, we, get up, we opened up for Living Color at a place called Bogarts in Long Beach. We played Bogarts a lot. And when there was a rock band that would come through, they'd ask us to open for them. Remember uh, School of Fish? No, I don't. They had one hit. They had one hit called Three Strange Days. Great song. And we opened up for them. And then the singer, I don't know, maybe five, six years later, maybe ten, he passed away. But we play that song in our cover band, Three Strange Days. Uh, uh, The vocal, the guy's voice sounds a lot like mine, so we do it it pretty well. It's a fun song to play, but we opened up for them too. Good Mm -hmm. band. The guitar player went on to play with Bob Dylan's son, Jake. Oh, okay, yeah. Who had a tune? Yeah. Uh, is that is that the is that the fella that had a tune out around about the same time as Talk Show? One Headlight, I think it was. Yes. Yeah, yeah we went and saw him play live. We got to go see him play in New York when we were there doing press. We got to see that band. They were good, really good. One Headlight. Yeah, good song. Not a bad song at all. That guy kind of disappeared, didn't he? Yeah, or well, I suppose he's, he's, I think he's a musician. He's obviously a great musician in his own right, but with the trust fund that he must have, I don't think he'd need to do anything, would you? Yeah, why too, if you don't have to, especially with what's going on now. Fuck it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, I mean, mean, the other problem too for him is that he probably gets asked every single interview to describe something about his bloody father. Um, right, you know. and then and the same with me and getting hey how how was talk show you know same thing, hmm. but um, I don't mind I don't mind at all. Well, I think I, th- I think it's it's important I think to address these things without oversaturating the point. So I think if people are talking to you and they don't want to talk to you about your new music as the as certainly the opening opening part of a chat and then. They're not curious about what you're trying to do now. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of point. It's just nostalgia. Oh, yeah. For, yeah, and, and people know talk show. They know more. They know STP. So, yeah, just to bring me into this is who I am. This is what I did. It makes sense that you need to talk about it. So that's why I do. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's an inc- – as I say, it was a, it's one of those bands that I think if rock and metal fans listen to it, they're going to be a fan. I would think some some people would be, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean it's there. It's all there. It's it's very Led Zeppelin-y, as far as I'm. I mean, I can hear it, but I'm a muso, so I play things like Black Dog and all the rest of it, and and I can hear what's going on there. And just with your vocal style that you've got, um, as I say, leaving a bit more space there. Um, I'm trying to compare what Stone Temple Pilots would be to what band they might be, but it doesn't really make sense if I say Black Sabbath because they they're certainly not. But yeah, it was just a bit more open, I think, and. Um, Whereas Stone Temple Pilots could be a bit poppy at times, talk show was more proggy even in some ways. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely. I liked Rush. Speaking of prog, mm. big Rush head. I loved Zeppelin growing up. Rush, Zeppelin, Ted Nugent. I learned to play guitar with all those people in mind. Uncle Ted. Yeah. So I can, uh, I can send you maybe a couple more tunes if you want to hear them. As long as you don't, you know, pass them around, Mark would probably get pissed off. Please, go but ahead. Yeah, no, no, every, anything said. I get sent, sent stuff all the time that nobody ever hears. Oh, I'm good like that. Yeah, I, I'll send you something if you don't, you know, play it around or put it on your podcast because Mark wants to release all that stuff, of course. But, yeah, if you want to hear it, I'd be glad to. Yeah, please. No, go ahead. Okay. No, that'd be great. Can I text to this number? Um, no, that's my Skype or number. Email best, it. Just email, you know, the email that we've been talking to each other yeah, over. I'll yeah. E- yeah, I'll email it to you. That'd be good to do that. I'm yeah. really proud of this slow one that I just did. It's called Let You In. I'm really proud of that one. I'll send that to you and I'll send you the turnaround, which is not quite done yet, but I'll send it anyway. It's pretty close. Nice. No, I look forward to listening to yeah. it. I'll put it in a bit of a mix, my own mix. Yeah, turn around. It needs to be heard right now because it's exactly what's going on in this world. So that's kind of why I want to send uh, put that one out next. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. You're writing lyrical content. I just hope more people than you know. I just hope Mark is able to give it enough of a push. But that that involves people like me getting in touch with you. You know, the underground of journalism. Sure. You know, people have got to be curious, mate. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. You know, so yeah, mate. Send it across, but um, look, I'll wrap things up because I've got to go and get the kids ready for school. But um, look, is there anything else you wanted to address, just as a final point? Um, glad to be back. Thanks for your interest, and um, I can't wait to put out some kind of a vinyl EP or LP. You know, I'm really mm-hmm. wanting. I don't want talk show to be the last thing I ever did. That would be a bummer. So, yeah, I'm excited about it, and I'm digging what I'm doing. I'm really having fun. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Dave Coots. He's a solo artist, and he was in talk show alongside of the brothers DeLeo and Eric Kretz of Stone Temple Pilots. If you like that chat, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com and also on my YouTube page, I'm easily found. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thank you for tuning in, and until next time, it is goodbye for now.